Another edition of the Red Wine Podcast. I'm your host Evan here with my man Will. We're a little bit late on our post Clemson podcast, but you know life gets in the way. It was Halloween. Will, have you come down from your post Clemson high yet? Well, you know I signed up for uh, Savage Wolves right after that, I think, or right before it, and I got a phone call the next day. Uh, I didn't. I didn't realize. <laughs> I must have missed it. From Braden Narvison or whatever, welcoming me to the uh, Savage Wolves. And uh, I was debating. I missed the call. And he said I could call him back. And I was debating, should I call him up and be like, hey, I just want to let you know we're uh, proud of you. And, uh, you know, good luck on the win this weekend. Or should I just not jinx our kicker? You know, that's that's my real question. <laughs> Did you tell anybody to kiss your ass this week? I should have, man. Um, I tell you what, this is the best... Weekend of football I can remember in some time because, boy, the Schadenfreude podcast the next day from inside Carolina were wonderful to listen to. I was trying to find any Clemson podcast. Uh, No one would record after that game, apparently. Um, Man, what a wonderful, just wonderful weekend, man. (laughs) Birds were singing and chirping better, you know. It's amazing I love what it how y'all listen to the Inside Carolina podcast. Like, and I know you're not alone. There's a bunch of bunch of dudes that listen to it. I, just, I can't put myself through that nonsense. I mean, I love the. Um, I don't know if it's like uh, lack of self reflection or whatever, but they were saying how Clay Klubnick, Cl- Cade Klubnick, is this like upper middle class white guy who. Um, has all the things going for him. He looks like that on the court, on the field. And I was like, do you know your roster and your people? Like, why are you mocking this guy? I mean, oh, it was wonderful. They gave up like 500 yards of offense in two quarters, and they were uh, beside themselves. And it was just – I remember I was out there. I was raking leaves, got the yard looking great, listening to the podcast, walk inside 30 minutes later, yard is completely covered in leaves again. And I was like, that's what I get. But I got more of these podcasts. I just went right back out. Oh, just wonderful. <laughs> and we won. Yeah, we did win. That's um, that's what I really want to talk about today. Is has that changed your? It's. I think it's funny how that worked out. Right, we saw the success metrics graph after the Duke game. We're like, oh, how do we not win that game? We did everything better than them. And then we see the exact opposite with the Clemson game, where we're in the bottom and they're in the top, and they're probably thinking the same thing. <laughs> But my takeaway from that is, hey, explosive plays kills. Like yeah. anybody, we're not the only ones been saying it, but we've been saying it for a long time. Is you need to get more explosive. That is how college football is these days. You need to put the ball in the player the hands of your best players. And hey, what do they do? They manufactured touches for KC, and look what happens. Good things happen. So, oh yeah, yes, yeah. yeah I think, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because. My eyeballs do not tell me that Clemson was better than us. Like, I, I was a little surprised when, uh, who was it, Bud Elliott or whatever was saying that Clemson was clearly the better team. I was like, I, I don't know what game you were watching. Like, both defenses were doing a great job. One defense didn't let up any explosive plays. The other did, and, and that team lost. And it's the same thing that happened with Duke. I mean, it's just the formula is pretty, you know, pretty simple. 
get the explosive plays, play good defense. And with this defense, you can win if you can hit two or three explosives. And, you know, we were saying a few weeks back, like, that's just what's always happened to us with the really great great defenses we've had, right? You've had a Wake or a BC or someone just come in, hit, do basically nothing all game, right, and win. Louisville, perfect example. Yeah. So it was really great to see it. And you know what it made me think of was Syracuse last year. And that was, I was like, that's the Anai play playbook slash you know, finding ways to get guys open that wins games that you shouldn't win probably most 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 years. And all it took was two or three shots, you know, great run play, really creative designs, um, getting Jordan Poole in there to play running back, right? Like just Love that. Yeah, that was the kind of stuff coming out of the bye week where you're like, okay, I don't know how many more times you can use this script, right? But it worked against one of the best defenses we'll play we got one more really good defense to play and then things get a little bit easier. So, you know, I'm hoping we see, I think I said in the pod chat this week, like I, I just get the feeling that once you get past Miami, you're going to see like MJ from last season, you're going to see him. Things look a little bit easier for him. Um, and things should, should just be a little, a little bit better for us. So I don't know. I, it was good, but it was still also like crazy watching the end of that game. And um, I couldn't believe we were throwing the ball. I, I, I know why he was doing it. But I was like, dude, we, we just got to milk a minute and a half off the clock here. Like, what are we doing? Um, oh, man. And Keon Lassane, two clutch-ass catches. <laughs> Your boy. My Your boy. boy. You know, here's what I'll point out. Those catches were in the part of the field where he should be used more often than on the exterior. He got overthrown on uh, a perimeter route, and then he magically caught these these balls. Um, I think Juice Vereen should probably watch uh, – Watch that back and watch how uh, Keanu Sane actually turned and put his hands towards the ball. Um, <laughs> I can't believe that ball hit him in the chest. Um, ugh, yeah, I'll pause for a second. So, leaving it there, What going back to MJ, what did you think of MJ's performance? I mean, I thought it was fine. I mean, you know what? He, he didn't make colossal errors, right? He just, I mean, there was a lot of pressure on him. The often, I... I'm curious what the numbers say um, because at the end of the game, right, they were just blowing up the interior of that line. And when we were passing, I was like, there's just a lot of pressure on it. But I thought he was making some pretty good um, decisions. And, you know, that those two passes I was talking about to Lassane, the pass to Vereen and the pass to Gray were, I believe, were basically the right calls. And, and two of them were, were caught and two of them weren't. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you can you can win like this. I'd like to see him a little bit more in the run game going forward. Cause I do think that is just something we're not getting fully out of him. Um, but I mean, how can you not be happy? I mean, he just, he didn't make, a, he just didn't make a stupid mistake. Right. And like, I don't know. I, are, are people, I haven't been checking. Are people harping on his performance? There's been some conversation, mostly message board nonsense that NC state should go back to, Brennan Armstrong. Um, if when would I think that's acceptable? Well, first off, Brennan Armstrong at running back, uh, Brennan Armstrong at quarterback. Did we throw him out wide this game too? Um, <laughs> you know, I, I do think there's something for him there. I, you know, if you won these games and then he was like derping around hard 
like let's say you you win Miami and all of a sudden you're kind of in the conversation and if Louisville win uh, loses, right? And things start getting a little muddy up at the top. If he was to play like shit for a game, then I'd say like yeah maybe because all of a sudden you're playing for a championship again. But I I just I I mean we saw it. Brandon made made some pretty bad decisions under pressure too. Um, and until I see MJ making those kinds of poor decisions, I don't see why you would go back. I mean, I get the ground game argument, but I that's why I was saying that. I, I, I think if he pushes his mobility a little bit more or we get him in on some design runs and use that element, I think people would kind of shut up about Brennan because I've seen enough games of Brennan Armstrong to know he also throws a pick or something in that game and it completely changes. Yeah, I mean, that's to me. I mean, MJ was... Far from perfect. He did enough things to make it work. But the key is he didn't make any mistakes or didn't make uh, – he made mistakes. So that's not the right way to say it. He didn't turn the ball over. He didn't do anything like catastrophic that is going to you know, take you out of it and just take away your chances. And that's what Brendan Armstrong has been doing. I just don't understand how people can justify, yeah, let's let's talk about bringing Brendan Armstrong back. Like – uh, and, unless he has turned the corner and decided not to do the things that he was doing, like the inexplicable attempt at a pass in the Louisville game, at the end of the Louisville game, for one, or some of the other you know interceptions that he's had, then why would you change anything else? And I, and I get it, the offense was not perfect, but you know, you just need somebody to manage the game. You don't need him to win it for you. Like you said, we just played the best defense we're going to face. Get the ball to your playmakers. Yeah. Don't put your quarterback in a position to have to do something stupid. And I think you'd be all right. I think MJ is going to be fun. Yeah. It's game three of MJ this season, and he's two and one. And one of those is over Clemson, and I don't care. That's hard to do. Um, so I would I would just let it play out. Especially again, I I think, I mean Duke on Duke on the road, and and Clemson and then Miami is like a pretty tough three game opening stretch. I mean I, I guess we can include Marshall, right? But they've kind of fallen off a little bit since then. Um, I just I mean, the team looks more confident. You're getting great consistent play out of Concepcion. Um, Someone's going to step up. It seems like Anthony Smith, Anthony Smith drew a uh, pass interference like we requested. Um, Magic. Amazing. It's good for 15 yards. Um, I, yeah, I, I think everything's I, – I just feel like it's about to click. Um, they're going to over – someone's going to over-adjust to Casey. It's going to open up something else. Um, I really am excited to kind of see what goes on with Jordan Poole back there. Um, I hope that was not just a one-time thing. Mm. Um, I so, really love that physicality. I, I think James Henderson said it the other day that Jordan Poole, or maybe Dave said it in his press conference, that Jordan Poole asked to to make the switch. Yeah. And he was the reason KC broke that big run. He, you know, we always heard about all, all year, Michael Allen can't block or, you know, Jordan Houston or um, Jordan Houston's in because he could block and blah, blah, blah. Dude, Jordan Poole came in and just checked that linebacker. He put a hit on him so that he opened it up for KC to make that run. Like that in his the first snap, and I think he got the start, but the one of the first snaps that he that we saw from him 
And then he, you know, he blocks the linebacker and he runs stride for stride with Casey down the field. And you're like, yeah, get get that ball, get that guy in the game more. And you know, he was a running back in high school, played linebacker. I think he played both ways in high school, so he he knows what he's doing. But he's just an athlete, right? He's one of those guys that everybody was super hyped about, and we want you need to get those guys on the field. And if that's what it takes, then man, put him on the field. Let's let's see what he can do. I'm, yeah. I'm for it. I was that was huge. Yeah, you know what like drove me nuts is like later in the game. <clears throat> I think it was on when we were on our must have been our goal line. Um we had Reed Mitchell and I think maybe it was maybe it was Michael Allen in there. They're both in there. One guy beat both of those guys and then did the um how did uh, one of the guys put it? The um inflatable inflatable man arms yeah. celebration. Yeah. yeah. And um the car dealership inflatable. Yeah, yeah, and I was just sitting there. It's like, you know, why are those two in the game if that's the kind of – I mean, I, that was terrible. And I was just kept thinking. I was like, Poole could probably do that, can handle that job. So I, I really hope there's an expanded role there. And, yeah, Dave said that he came to him like two weeks before the bye and was like, hey, I can play running back. You know, I'd like to I'd like to find a way to get on into the field. Basically, and uh, David was Love like, "Well, it. let's wait till the bye because I don't want to like overwhelm the running back room with like a new person or something." I think it was kind of his thought process, and yeah, I think there's room to grow there. I just, yeah, to your point, I'm watching that play over and over and over right now on um, James's uh, like IPS meme or GIF uh, post thing, and uh, yeah, dude, just watching him just smash that linebacker and then just trot down the field, uh, yeah. you know, basically in stride. It's like pretty wild to watch for a guy his size. Um, yeah, there's there's upside there, but that's what I liked. I like seeing more of those formations. Um, I th- I mean, honestly, we were not. I don't even think we were on the field that much. We didn't have that many plays. Um, like I think the wide receivers, like Keon Lassane, led the wide receiver room with like 31. I think it was 31 routes or 31 snaps. And um, I didn't go look at the totals, but if I recall correctly, right? I mean, we were on the field like 40 plays or something. It wasn't a lot. Um. Which goes to show that we were not we're not being very efficient during the game, but that's okay. If you can pop the big ones, it makes up for the the. You know, it's fine being boom bust if you get the booms. Um, you just can't be a bunch of busts. Um, and I guess that's the argument people are trying to say is like, well, you know, the offense had was sustaining more drives with Armstrong, but it's kind of like, okay, we weren't. We were sustaining some drives and we were getting some points, but then we were just burning a lot of clock and not getting anything out of it too. So I don't know. There's a balance there. I just think it's weird that, <clears throat> you know, if, if Brennan had played, I think Louisville, Duke and Clemson, I got a feeling that outcomes would have been a lot of more like Louisville based on what we saw this year. Yeah, I agreed. Um, I mean, I think that, that, that says it all. I just, yeah, I feel the same way. How do you feel about the defensive performance in this game? Pretty, pretty good, Evan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was awesome. Uh, I hope Peyton Wilson is going to be healthy. Um, I know they said he was fine, but, you know, that's always a little nerve-wracking. I mean... What else can you ask for? Like they made uh, they made a bad offense look like a bad offense, and I think that like one big play that Moffa had at the end of the game was maybe right after the 
after Peyton went out. And I think they kind of shored things up after that. So, you know, everything everything kind of just went your way, right? You got to you gotta pick six. There was another – you already had that other interception, but I think there was one on the first drive you almost had too. So it was like we, we had them hot and bothered from the get-go. Shipley uh, continued – you know, Carter Finley continues to be his karmic house of horrors, it looks like. Um, so, you know, I just – I think we did everything we really need to do. I mean, I – it's just weird. <laughs> like, when you shut those other offenses out over and over and over, and then they get, what, like, maybe, like, three or four sustained drives for an entire game, mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like that's pretty good. Tons of tons of pressures, sacks, TFLs. Like, that's the kind of pressure cooker you want to see at home. Do you think it was a product of Clemson's poor offense or NC State's good defense? I mean, we've seen that all year, right? We saw that against Louisville. We saw it against Notre Dame until the you know the thunderstorm screwed things up. Like that defense has been there all year. Mm-hmm. So the only difference is there were points scored <laughs> to to you know to to balance it out on the other side. Um, so I think it was consistent with what we've seen with the defense, and you know, like I I don't think Clemson's nearly as bad as everyone. Um, likes to act like they are. Um, I think they are definitely struggling inside that scheme, and they don't really have the playmakers at wide receiver. They didn't have one of their wide receivers again this week. So, you know, I would, it wouldn't surprise me in the next week or two if they kind of bounce back and beat the shit out of somebody. Um, hopefully UNC. I mean, they're, but, they're uh, still Clemson, right? They yeah, are... there's so much talent there. Right. And it's what we said going into that game is they are a very, you know, similar... Set up to NC State, offensive line struggle, quarterback kind of in flux, and they don't have the defense is strong, but they don't have the, the athletes to be a game breaker like Clemson's always had before. And the difference in that is that State does have a couple game breakers, right? KC really made a difference in this game. Peyton Wilson really makes a difference in this game, and. You know that's that's the thin thin margins. I think both teams are they're very similar in that regards. I'm sure Clemson's got more talent on stars and top to bottom and all that stuff, but they have very similar problems to us. And I think uh, State's defense has been consistent all year in its ability to make teams struggle. And then, like you said, they just made a bad offense a bad offense. Yeah, I mean, I thought those were like you can see the talent that that Clemson has, but you can also see that without using the portal, they've screwed themselves um, because they've definitely misevaluated a couple skill position players. And, you know, I mean, if they honestly, if they had um, Virginia's slot receiver and picked up any of the transfer outside receivers, right. That were in the portal yeah. this year, that would be like a championship caliber team. But I still think they'd underwhelm at some point because I don't think Klubnik is a great quarterback, um, but they'd be a lot better. I mean, they had, they had a bunch of drops, and you know, it looks like it's so close to, to to clicking, right? I mean, their kicker has cost them FSU game, may have cost us cost them this game, right? Just like you know, the inability to trust that that guy probably changed some decision making. So, you know, they're not far off from being really good again, uh, which is so funny, um, but. All, I mean, look at you can lose four games with a ton of talent. 
right? Yeah. If, if you're obstinate about how you use your talent and manage your rosters and we'll see if Dabo changes that up. But I mean, I just thought that was like a perfect game to be like, see, that's why you do need to use the portal. Like you can't just recruit your way out of this stuff. You've got to acquire guys, the right kind of guys to make you better. Right. It's, it's funny to me listening to the Clemson fans lately who are ragging on Dabo because of, you know, they've, they've lost four games and they're, they're having a bad year. And, you know, the everybody heard the call-in radio guy who um, <laughs> said, how are you getting paid so much? Or how do you justify getting well, paid power. so much? And, like, the dude has won two national championships and eight conference titles. Uh, yeah, I think he's deserved to have a little bit of, you know, leeway. As much as I don't like Dabo, like, you can, I can respect what he's uh, been able to accomplish, you know, for a, a historical, historically – you know, 600 program there, you know, they're barely better than us historically. And yeah, I think it's funny. Like it's, it, if, but I, at the same time, if NC state was ever in that position, if we ever got two national titles and eight conference championships and you know, that time span, I would be unbearable to everybody. I would like, it would be the same thing. One down here. And I would just be like, what is this nonsense? This no, is not what no, I'm here no. for. See, we've, like, no, we were, we'll remember no the Valley. We remember yeah. the Valley. We, ne- we remember what it would be like. Um, I mean, the crazy thing is, right. I, I need to go take a quick look at their schedule. Also, I did go back and look. We had 46 offensive snaps. Um, that's crazy compared yeah. to 81 for them. So, Dang. you know, <laughs> Uh, probably a very optimal thing for us, right? They were coming off of overtime, make them run a lot more. They were doing stupid things. And honestly, man, you know, I got to say r- real quick, the end of game sequence with the refs was driving me nuts. Whatever that delay of game thing was, the, like, where Clement clearly got sacked and threw the ball, and they were like, well, we're just going to give them a de facto timeout so that, um, you know, we can tell you that the guy was clearly sacked. Like, it was stuff like that. It was just like, can we... I wish we had the, the refs in our pocket to that degree. Um, let's see. They got Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, South Carolina. It wouldn't surprise me if they beat Notre Dame and then they go eight and four, you know, total for the year. And like, once again, like their down years are never as catastrophic um, as other teams. Right. So I, I mean, don't you think that Tyler guy was probably just a, a South Carolina fan? I mean, the whole thing felt contrived, honestly. <laughs> Right, I mean, Dabo's got pulling stats right out of the, out of the air, like he knew this was coming. So it it, it just felt too. Yeah, it was weird. It, I don't know. I don't know what the whole thing was. My, my broader point was, you know, Clemson's having a bad year, but you know, the guy's done. He's done some some interesting things. Done some good things there. Um, I, I wanted to read this email. Uh, Ed from LA. He oh, he sends us an email if he doesn't call in, uh, and he sent, he sent me one before the game and. Said, I'm headed to Eastern North Carolina this weekend, most likely to my car radio in NY State Clemson tomorrow. I don't think this team has any mojo. They cannot, They obviously can't score points. Um, it goes on. I think State finishes 4-8. and eight. I really admire both of you for putting out the podcast each week. Each week after agonizing week. It must be hard knowing this team has no talent and no confidence. Uh, I hate the transfer portal has screwed college football, our conference. And then <laughs> after the Clemson games, he sends me a follow-up. That is, and now I gotta find it. Um, just as, just as good. Ed, Ed with an from apology. Town. Yeah, <laughs> Ed, Ed from LA. Ed from, um, yeah. But 
the point was is that it's it, it's funny how much of a roller coaster this is just for everybody you know like I just you don't know what you're going to get from this team um here it is sorry evan i was wrong about state clemson i was listening on the radio in kinston i can't believe they won go pack ed from dallas yeah well, i watch let's see i avoided the first half we were uh, i was doing a bunch of chores and we were supposed to go out somewhere and then so we were driving to charlottesville and i was watching the second half on the phone in the car and uh uh my wife was just like you know it's gonna be uh okay i was like we are up 24 7 and we we're about to fuck this up i know this <laughs> <laughs> So, even when we're having a good game, it's good to know that uh, my uh, my anxiety as a Pack fan is always going to be there. Uh, I'm going to play this clip from the Cover 3 podcast. They were talking about uh, State, and it was a lot of the State Steve Smith thing, which I'm not going to rehash. I'll, I'll play it. They, they talk about it. Uh, but there's some couple comments in there I want to talk about. So, I'm going to play this. Sort of caught it a little bit on Twitter. We're going to be able to provide you with the whole context here. This is a this is a story that begins in Salt Lake City in the morning. Former Utah Ute wide receiver Steve Smith. He is uh, he is a guest picker, I believe is what they're called on ESPN's College Game Day program. A reminder to always watch uh, CBS Sports HQ College pregame 11 a.m. Um, this is uh, thanks to Corey Smith, Pack Pride. This is what he said. But Clemson has been struggling. They're not the, the Clemson we've yeah. loved over the years. But NC State, unfortunately, they're waiting for basketball to start. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And that made its way to Dave Doran, which led to this. And I tell Steve Smith in the studio, this ain't a basketball school. He can kiss my ass. <laughs> and more. Y'all you you want more? Mm-hmm. The oh, second one. Oh, yeah. I didn't know we had more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Heard you had a pretty passionate response to the comments that NC State was just a basketball school. How are you feeling about that now still? Yeah, I mean, for a guy that lives in Charlotte, he clearly has got his head faced west to Utah all the time, which, you know, I understand. And no disrespect to him, but he disrespected our program. And uh, I'm not going to let people do that. These kids have worked their butt off. Um, we've won a lot of football games here. And in my tenure, I think we're second or third in the ACC and wins in football. So, you know, he can take that and put it where it belongs. But this is not a basketball <laughs> school. This is a great, great school that has great sports, and football is one of them. And um, so, yeah, if he wants to come see me, we can talk about that. But, you know, do your homework before you start talking shit. Steve Smith's getting a lot of wars with Jerry, Judy, Dave, Doran. I mean, NC State's basketball team hadn't been very good lately. I don't know what he's talking about calling them a basketball school. They're clearly a football school right now. I mean, look, Dave's cut from like Dave's cut from like salt to the earth, like cloth, like real. Like we we joke about phrases like hand in the dirt. Like he he lives that. And look, I, I know that Steve Smith has punched teammates in the mouth, <laughs> broken jaws in training camps. He's damn proud of it. Look, look, I I might take Dave. Like passion. Like if we're gonna take if if we're having this bout tomorrow, I might take salty Dave. How much older is Dave? Because like I agree with you, I, I agree with your general point that like Dave, 
He cares way more scrap. about yeah. this. Yeah, like, yeah. And, he still and, lifts. He can still scrap. Right. <laughs> Steve Smith has not been out of the league for that long, right? Like, I bet you Steve Smith still has some that like a, a, a kind of quick hands that that you really wouldn't want. Um, and look, as somebody who has Jerry Judy on my fantasy team, Steve Smith is one million percent correct with several of his takes, including the one that Jerry Judy sucks. So, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I keep losing all these close games because Judy's like. ESPN projects him for like 14 and he ends up with seven. Like, oh, great. Thanks, Jerry. You, you may um, be surprised to learn Dave Doran's 51, Steve Smith 44. So, okay. Not that, yeah. you know, the reach on the age, not that wide of a gap. Look, I think that that is a lot of frustrations coming out. That Duke loss, and I think the bye week was really hard on NC State. You know, just a lot of stuff going on there. And for them to come out and beat Clemson, a team that still has real athletes, although they clearly have some problems of their own right now, uh, internally it seems like, that's got to be kind of cathartic for them. So mm-hmm. good for Dave. And I also think part of his message is, hey, uh, you want to you respect what I've done here a little bit? Like This has been a, probably the best run you guys have ever had here. In, in, in the decade I've been here, right? Or pretty close to it, right? Oh, oh no, listen, his career win total is like going to go – Depending on what happens the rest of the way, man could end up being one of the wingiest coaches in NC State program history. Yeah, there, exactly. There's a job opening in the Big Ten that could use it. Oh, come on, Tom. Like Dave Doran. We're going to talk about this on Monday or Wednesday, but there's a lot of coaches that I think can restart the clock and be reappreciated. Like, who can still coach, who are just being unappreciated where they're at now. This And, and look, uh, this, this is a narrative that goes, and I agree with you, bud. I do think that Steve Smith – became the um the picture on the punching bag and the punches delivered to the punching bag were not all delivered at steve smith mm-hmm. i think it was a lot of frustration i mean go back to the virginia game that was the shit be glad we won quote from dave doran like I, we need to put more mics in dave's face i think is the ongoing lesson good that we're learning here yeah, i mean that's I, like and yeah. His point, and, and this was something that he said after he detailed all the in-game injuries and the fact that they had a player uh, say that he was going to redshirt, and he didn't say transfer, but when you're redshirting before you get to four games, mm-hmm. hello, we get it now. Um, it, he is looking at this group and be like, look, I am getting the most out of this. We had a three-year run where we were running hot, and now this is one of those dip years. And that when you are NC State, you might have a dip year. If he can get this team to a bowl game, this is a really good season. And guess what? Beating Clemson increases the odds of NC State getting to a bowl game by a huge amount. So I I, I think that he is very proud of the work that he has done. I think he's probably feeling underappreciated. And at the same time, I think NC State fans left that game super fired up about the win with their mind not changed one bit about Dave Doran. Because the outlook, you mentioned it. I, you, and, you were doing the stats analysis. I was doing the vibes analysis. You were like, NC State's offense is one broken play. How in the world are they going to be able to win this game? And I was like, I don't know. Clemson vibes don't look good. I don't think that they're going to be you able to execute. That yeah, I was like, <laughs> I just don't trust this team to execute the way that things are unfolding. But those NC State fans are still like, just because we won this game doesn't mean that the offense is fixed. Doesn't, you know, you were still trotting Brendan Armstrong out for your little, like, cute packages. I just – it's uh, inter- interesting things unfolding 
among mediocre ACC teams. I've, I've, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot of interesting things. Yeah. One, Steve Smith and Dave Dorn fighting would be hilarious. Like they've already squashed be the beef, though. Not to, I know, but it would be not to ruin it. It was a funny way to funny place to take that. Um, it's also the first time that Dave's name got mentioned with a Big Ten opening, even though we've been talking about it. You know, the fits are there and the Midwest vibes, and you know he's had better seasons than than what we're currently going through. It's just funny now that was the one that said, "Hey, maybe he'd be a good fit there." And you're like, I mean, of, yeah, I mean, it's I, I don't disagree. His but resume just, was yeah. always right, like good beating up the teams he should beat. Actually, really good at beating the teams he should beat for the most part, and then flopping against the big top twenty fives, right? But I mean, he's taken down Clemson twice in in three years, and um, honestly, should have several more <laughs> if we're being honest, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, yeah. I just thought I thought Chip's analysis at the end was very odd, like that people came away not with a different opinion. Um, like, I think most Pack fans understand that the offense is a problem, um, but they can also look at that and say, well, that was a nice, relatively complete game. You know, all three phases finally did something, right? Explosive offense coupled with explosive or with well well done defense with a turnover, right? With a for a pick six, and then the kicking game was on point. Like, that was all we said is state does that, the, does all three phases at one time, they're going to win a game. I probably want to give it. They shouldn't, and that was a great example of it, right? Like, yeah, it's fine. They, I mean, the thing is, like, it's weird that they're not acknowledging it. It's like Anai is setting up these plays, and this is very Anai to me. From like going back and looking at recent stuff he do, he's done, it's he's going to work you. He's going to concentrate stuff to one target if he can, and he's going to make you make a mistake and then penalize you. And that's uh, what he did, um, and. I expect him to do it against Miami and others too. So I just, yeah, I didn't like the end end sequence there of that comment. Why not? I mean, I don't because think he's he, wrong. It's he's like trying to be like say that okay, Dave just said this thing that should all the fan base should be happy about, and that you know you should be, and then saying that state fans are unchanged in their opinion, implying that they're just dissatisfied in general. If you got that game every game of the year, no one would be complaining right now. You'd probably be at least seven and one, right? So, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, we had some shit going wrong for a couple games with the interior line. Ever since that's been resolved, it's been slowly but surely improving. And you know, they needed a bye week. They needed to get MJ more reps. Um, I have a way more positive outlook for the year after this game than if we had lost that game, if the offense hadn't been explosive in those opportunities. So I don't know. I, I just call a little bullshit about that. And like, I, I just think it's weird to say that like Dave's unappreciated here. Like he's been I, I here for it, a long time. Like, I get it. And it's, and I think any coach who's been in a place for this long goes through this same sort of, you know, roller coaster with fan emotions, right? I mean, Mike Gundy yeah. and um, Dabo. We we're just talking about how uh, his resume 
Um, I mean, and there's plenty of others who, you know, the relationship gets stale. And I don't think there's anything wrong with what they said. It was kind of, I think it was honest, right? I think a lot of people, we still, we beat Clemson. Yeah. Clemson's not great this year. Okay. It's a nice win. It does, it does get you closer to being bowl eligible. But again, you know, we've talked about before, bowl eligible doesn't mean squat to me. Like I don't, it's not anybody's goal. I don't even think it's Dave's goal. So I, 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 the narrative of the program hasn't changed in that regard. It's very like, eh, they're okay. They're a good program, which is, which is fine. It's better than where we were, you know, with Tom O'Brien and the, after years of Chuck there, like it's being there, a good program is better than we were. But at some point, I think a lot of people feel, um, I think it's, it's an honest conversation. It's like, yeah, I mean, the relationship could be stale. Dave probably doesn't feel appreciated like, like he wants to be. And I get that because I get what he's done has been, he's done a good job. But at the same time, people want to win more. People want more, right? We, there's still no trophies in the trophy case. There's nothing. There's no appearances. There's no New Year's Six games. And so I don't think anybody's wrong in any either side of it, right? If you want more, cool. I get it. If you're Dave and you feel underappreciated, yeah, I get it too. You know, I just – I don't know. I, I thought it was a pretty astute conversation from, a nas- from national guys who don't really usually have the pulse on us like that. Well, three of those guys are – ACC guys that are actually probably super plugged in to us specifically, right? Two Florida yeah. State guys, yeah. right? And uh, and one UNC Raleigh guy, right? So that doesn't surprise me. Um, I mean, I guess the thing is, like, I think you got to, if you look at it from a 30,000-foot view, you go back, or actually, if you look at it from a 30,000-foot view, I think it's easy to be like, yeah, it looks stale or it looks like it hasn't achieved anything. But, you know, you kind of go get closer and pick at some things. Like, I mean... The results last year, given all the quarterback issues, the results this year has upside right now. Like, I mean, frankly, like we're not even out of the championship game yet. Yeah. Like stupid yeah. crap can happen over the next yeah. four weeks and we're in. So, you know, I have to give them kudos for like not imploding entirely. Um, I'm sure yeah, Dave seems never done that. Like they've never quit. Even if they've been trashed, they've never not done that. All right. Yeah. I don't think so. And yeah, it's really frustrating when you see a team with like a you know a Duke or like a Wake when they're one-off years, you know, or this year Louisville, right? It's super frustrating to see someone get the chalkiest schedule possible that you could get and go and go win, right? And just have everything break your way. That's really frustrating, especially you know for us when we came up short just multiple times when it was in our control. Like stuff happens, right? Um, but I think. You know, the thing is, like, I'd be frustrated if we were, like, if it was this staff and everything we've got right now, and they were like, well, we're not going to get transfers. We're not going to participate in this, right? We're going to just complain about how these guys are professionals. Like, they they seem to be willing to adapt. Um, he's constantly trying to improve his staff and things like that. So there's upside there. It's just frustrating, especially once, you know, once it became clear to us, or at least to me, that part of the issue with the talent retention this year was – the guys who are getting twenty five thousand dollars a year that don't want to leave because of that, um, clogging up the roster, like it, it kind of makes sense. And um, you know, I understand when he talks in press conferences, like you guys don't understand some things are going on here. Like there's some truth to that. 
But, like, I think these guys have, like, coached their way up a lot over time. And then it's just really easy the longer someone's at a place to be like, oh, well, I remember when you screwed up that Wake Forest game. Or I remember when you screwed up BC, right? Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I just – boy, all it takes is a win for me to be right back on the shut the fuck up. Dave's great train. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not that – it's not just that. It's that Dave – he does so many things that you're like, yeah, I want that. I want that guy who stands yes. up for us, right? State fans, uh, and I've talked about it ad nauseum, state fans have always felt like, you know, their backs against the wall, it's everybody against us. And then when somebody stands up for you, like Dave did, and Dave stood up for his team, you're like, yeah, that's my guy. Like, it, it, it gives you something to rally around. And it's, yeah, I mean, to me, it's it's very much... That is that is what the the ebb and flow of it, and I think it's is he's got your back, right? He's got the program's back, and he and I don't know if it's the program or if he's just doing it for you know him and his team and he's and, and that or what you know whatever it may be, but fans feel like they're a part of it, and then when somebody sticks up for them, you know, when's the last time somebody has stuck, stood up for us? I mean, it's been Dave; he's done it a few times already. You don't get other. You don't get Kevin Keats doing it. Make a joke and pretend to be your friend and whatever. And you know, Boo's off right doing now. golf ball things, putting Ohio State number one. Like it's there's all sorts of weird vibes that there's there's nobody else that does this for us, right? Yeah, you know, Debbie. Debbie, Debbie was would the do last... it, and that's why she was endeared so much by people. Gottfried, you know, when he smacked. Coach Hay in the butt after kicking his ass, like everybody's like, "Yeah, that's my man." Like I love that. And, you know, state fans just want to be loved, and I just—that's it. You know, when somebody stands up for you, you just feel like that's your guy. So I get it. And yeah, yeah. he's—I mean, he is the king, at least in the last eleven years or so, of like post-game pressers. Where you know, when it's an emotion, when he when it's an emotional game, he comes out and he just delivers like a hell of a quote. The the uh, post UNC game, right? That was the yeah. hands in the dirt, um, blue collar speech. Um, you know, this one. Um, there's plenty more, and like things like if you go back to his Monday presser this week, he goes into it more about the Steve Smith thing. And again, like he, I think he really likes this university, and it's not because they paid him a bunch no of money, like right? No like he really cares about this university and. He does think it's different, and I think what's I guess you know sometimes what's nice about it is he waits until after he wins to to dance on their graves. Um, he doesn't he doesn't spout off at the mouth beforehand for the most part. So I don't know. He does those things. It's extremely endearing, and then it's just I think everyone just really wants to see it see it click. And and just quite frankly, right, like twenty twenty and on, right? You had a little flash with Devin Leary. He gets injured. You know, then you have a big flash with him at the end of that season. You get all this hope, right? And then you start off kind of slow. He gets injured again, and then we go through that crap. But, you know, if Devin Leary had made it through the 20, what was it, 22 season? Yeah, that's what it was, right? If mm-hmm. he doesn't get annihilated by that Florida State defensive lineman, we probably do have 10-plus wins that season. Like, look at what we did with guys who shouldn't have been winning. So I get his frustration, too, which – he was building up to that year and he missed it because of a quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and I'm sure this year he brought in an eye thinking, okay, this is going to tell people to, this is going to get people off my back. And, and this is going to bring this kind of difficult offense for people to prepare for. And, uh, 
we got the game finally where that really showed up. Um, and I don't know. I just, yeah. uh, Joe, somebody put in the pod chat that day, Joe, had a clip from, from their pod and I probably should have clipped it, but it was, it was good. It was, and then it was very much the same, um, you know, sort of rationale that we've always been saying. And, and it comes down to messaging, right? And it's for Dave, yeah. it's the messaging. And it's always been dry and boring and vanilla and whatever. And then when he comes out and stands up for you and he says something like this, and he's like, hey, he's got our back. Like, everybody who knows Dave has told me how awesome Dave is. Like, he's a he's a good dude. You, you'd want to hang out with him. You'd want to have a beer with him. you want to go fishing with him, whatever. Like, he's that kind of guy. You don't see it as a fan. And... It's all messaging around the, the the program, and not just him, but it's like the whole thing as a whole. And I think that's what people are missing. And then you get a glimpse of it here, and you're like, "Yeah, that's it. I like that. I want more of that." So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's it's been an interesting conversation, and it's, to me, it's interesting how the conversation has changed over the last you know week or so, um, just because of you know the win and and in his comments there. Yeah, he go back. Yeah, if you if anyone can go back and watch it, I think Wolfpacker or someone's got it online. Just go watch his press conference and listen to the way he talks about the stress of just a game itself, right? And all the emotions you experience in a game, and then think about what he's experiencing during the week and stuff like that. So, like, I kind of get it why he is. I mean, I say it all the time. Like, he sometimes is just like a prick in in, in press conferences during the week. Yeah, and I get it. He just really, really wants to win, and. Um, Sometimes he's got his hand behind his back and he's doing everything he can. So um, I was going to say for the Miami pod, we should get that obvious clip so that we can. Yeah, I will. And, you know, know I was trying to keep this shorter, but Will and I are incapable oh, of talking up. less than a, less than an hour. <laughs> apparently, uh, we're at forty five minutes at the moment. But um, to wrap it up, like I I think the thing that the takeaway that I really got from this is. The you know with the personnel changes and the usage of the personnel, I thought was different. I that is to me that is adapting and learning what your team can do and, and figuring out. Hey, we need to get the ball into the best players' hands more. So I like that. I want to see more of that, and we'll get into more about how we do that through Miami in the next pod. But I mean, I, I think showing signs of life there to me is is very interesting. Yeah. Anything else you want to add before we go? No. I just looked up and noticed we're at 46 minutes, so great job on us for a 20-minute pod here. (laughs) As always. All right, as always, we'll be back later in the week. We'll talk Miami and and probably more about this and other things. Um, we got basketball coming back, so we got some basketball pods coming. Ice cream time. Ice cream. (laughs) All I want is some ice cream. Yeah. All I got on my mind right now is some ice cream. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. So, as always, thanks for listening. We'll be back later in the week. And go back. Go back. I was raised by the world.